0: You're listening to the Agony Column News Report, featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotron.com/agony. I'm speaking with Victoria Blake. She's the publisher of Underland Press. Thank you for joining me, Victoria. Well um one of the things I think that's very interesting about Underland are the different uh, formats you've chosen to publish in. Uh you have trade paperbacks, you have some hardbacks, and you have some really deluxe hardbacks. And I think that's a really interesting selection. Could you talk about uh, cr- you know choosing a format to match a title and you know also talk about uh some of the produ- producing some of these volumes.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um we only distribute the uh, quality paperback or the trade edition to, to the actual trade. So the only, the only format that you can buy in the bookstore is the paperback. Um, we produce limited editions in very limited quantities. So we've done three of them so far, two for Jeff Vandermeer Finch and one for Brian Adamson's last days. Um, mm-hmm. And both of those were in, uh, well, one print run was 70 copies, one was 150, and another was 350 so they're very, very limited. Um,
0: the Evanson one looked really beautiful and very interesting. I didn't buy it, so explain what that was exactly.
1: So the, the idea is that um, the interest in the limited edition is mm-hmm. to make the edition as limited as possible mm-hmm. and actually personalize it in a way. Uh, and this idea came from Brian. I, I still can't believe that he did this. Um, we letter-pressed a jacket with enough, designed with enough space to give him Room to write lines from the book. Mm-hmm. So when he got each jacket, I um, I got the letterpress from a from a studio here in Portland, and I shipped them out to Brian in Providence. And when he got them, he sat down with um, you know the first letterpress jacket, and he wrote the first lines of the book on that jacket. And then um, when he had come to a stopping point, he went to the next jacket and wrote the next lines. So the lines from the book are all consecutive on um, the numbered and lettered copies of these of the Jackets of a Limited Edition. Um, So it's a really, I think it's just a really cool way of bringing the content of the book actually onto the jacket Mm -hmm. uh, and making it just, I think, an incredible package. We've gotten really good response about that.
0: Yeah, that's very interesting. You know... uh and as we move more, more and more towards you know, uh, and e- these e-books, uh, that kind of stuff is going to become difficult, if not impossible. And so I, I really like uh, having books that where the reader has a personal, physical connection to the book and to the writer, and and that takes it, I think, even one more step, uh, having it, uh, each uh, individual volume uh, personalized. Now, well,
1: there's there's an idea that um, that book publishing, as in paper, physical book publishing, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: will continue to specialize into these special editions, limited editions, as um, the growth of digital publishing uh, Mm -hmm. happens or or continues, so that our new mass markets, our new trade paperbacks will be digital, but our new deluxe editions will be even more specialized even more beautiful than what we have. Um, That's pretty exciting to me, actually, because I I think that the book as an object is such a beautiful thing. Mm -hmm, I just mm -hmm. think it's going to get even more beautiful
0: yeah I, I really love books as objects and that's that's interesting that that you that you put it that way uh could you talk- who does the design of the book the actual physical design the
1: um the design of the interior or the design of the covers or
0: well the, let's see i mean uh I'm just thinking in in a sense of the whole concept say for for um uh brian's book i mean who did was Brian the one who said give me enough space and I'll write the first lines on the cover or
1: he did, oh, yeah. Really? He came he, he up with that idea. Um, and Jeff Vandermeer was—he and I worked on developing a package that included a CD by Murder by Death, which mm-hmm. was incredible. They—they um, they read the book. It's beautiful
0: musical. It's beautiful oh, music. I love
1: beautiful. it. Beautiful, yeah. yeah. Gosh, it turned out so well, and I—I I think they did such a good job in matching the music to the to the ethos of the text. They did great. So you get a you get a um, CD, Murder by Death. Uh, with the limited edition, and you get these customized covers, or jackets, um, and in the, in the uh, very limited edition, uh, with 150 copies printed, um, there's also, like, there's a special booklet with uh, 16 pages of the first draft of the novel, so you get to see how far it's, you know, developed, there's a, a letter from the fictional publisher, um, <laughs> who also happens to be named Victoria Blake, uh, yeah, and it's, and there's a beer label, so there's a, it's a full package,
0: that's really interesting, and it sounds like a lot of fun. Now, these are the only three limited editions you've done thus far.
1: Yes. yes.
0: Do you have any plans for further ones? Well,
1: that depends on the project. Um, I I might have. It might have been a smart idea to do one for Lansdale because I know that he has a lot of fans out there.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, the cost of printing that that trade edition was so high because there's a um, sixteen. Sorry, there's a twelve-page color insert of art that uh has never before been seen mm-hmm. um, from a movie that was never made um about about the book. So having that color insert in there and then having such a long book itself, um, just made the printing on that sort of high. So I didn't have um I didn't have the uh same amount of cash to put into limited edition. Mm-hmm. Are you editing this?
0: Uh I can.
1: You can. I think maybe taking out the cash bet might be good.
0: No, 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 no. no. We, we like that. We like to know that. I mean, that's what many <laughs> readers want to know. We want to hear a frank conversation. I mean, this is... I
1: know, but pe- book people don't talk about... Like, I, I'm sitting here in my office, and um, the thing that I was doing right before, uh, you know, you and I are talking on the phone, is going through my spreadsheets and making sure that, um, you know, my, my... Profit analysis is actually correct, um, mm-hmm. given like the new data that I have. So I spend a lot of my day in, in the actual business side of it, which I really really like. But there's a, so there's a lot of creative decisions that rise out of the business decisions, and they go hand in hand. But
0: well, can we? I want to leave all, what you just all what you just said in. I, I'd like to leave it straight because I think this is very interesting. Uh, that so, could you would you mind talking about how you know after a day of slaving on the spreadsheets, how does that inform your creative decisions?
1: Um, well, so you and I talked um a year ago? Was mm. that our first conversation?
0: It's something like that, yeah.
1: Something like that. Um and I had just come out with uh last days. That was my first title. hmm Um since then I um since then I have I'm now well into well you know, I'm well into the second year of, of print and planning out probably into my fourth or fifth year. And I think that I'm making um I'm I'm making decisions about which titles I buy for different reasons than I did at the beginning, not strictly economic reasons, but it's also marketing reasons. Um, mm-hmm. I I don't think um, I don't think chaos was such a good title for me
2: mm-hmm. um,
1: because I don't think that I knew how to market it properly. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that Finch was great, and Last Days was great, and Pilot Family Circus was great, and I'm really excited about Best American Fantasy. Um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: So now gosh, I don't I don't even know if I answered that question.
0: Oh <laughs> uh, well, um. One of the things I was wanted to to talk to you about is the actual printing of the books, you know. And when I was a kid, I'd buy all these mass market paperbacks, and I kind of envisioned that somewhere out there there was a giant, like I Love Lucy, like factory that just, boom, boom, and out would come these, you know, little paperbacks with the yellow edges and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and I realized that you don't own a, a printing press, or I presume no. that's not the case. Yeah. But to, how do you go about? Let's say let's talk about the the trade paperbacks because that's your bread and butter I'm guessing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um how when you've got the manuscript for the book and you've got it all laid out uh what's your next step in terms of getting it printed?
1: Um I work with a great printer uh called Risala. Um it's actually I got the rec- recommendation through Tachyon and I was just so happy because is a great printer. Um mm-hmm. I send them the files. Um I wait a month. <laughs> And um, I should be getting a, a shipment of, of the books in. Um, the majority of the books go, obviously, to the distributor warehouse, and then from the distributor warehouse, it takes about a month to uh, to disseminate or distribute through the the channels into the bookstores. Mm-hmm. Um, so from the date that I send it to the to the printer, it takes about two months for it to actually get to the bookstores. Um, so what happens is that I send them to the printer, I send the printer a check, and I wait.
0: <laughs> now, uh, are, are you being distributed in chain bookstores?
1: Yes, uh, my distributor is PGW, which mm-hmm. is one of the, the the big independent distributors. Actually, I don't think they can be called independent because they're owned by Perseus. Anyway, they're a rather large distributor, um, and they're great. I love them. I I love the reps, and I love the the help that I get from my um, from my contact there. And uh, yeah, they go. I go into all of the the chain bookstores, all of the national bookstores. Um, and the Indies, and the Indie bookstores.
0: Now you've had a, a like a really good year for I, I mean, for you have how many titles total now? Is it six? We have
1: five in print, and the sixth just went to the went to the printer. And out of those, and this is great. And out of those, um, Last Days won the uh, American Library Association's Best Horror of Two Thousand Nine, and Finch was just nominated for a Nebula. So I am thrilled that that the titles have just those two it's done so well, Pile of family Circus has just continue to sell, and people love scary clowns. I don't think I realized how how much people love scary clowns, but they love them
0: <laughs> yeah scary clowns are 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 a good are a, are a good investment because people are truly frightened by non scary clowns
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's that whole uncanny valley thing mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um so uh let's talk a little bit about uh what titles you have coming up. I mean, um, the, tell me a little bit about uh, the, the Best American Fantasy. What made you... There's lots of best fantasies and best horrors. What made you decide to do your own and, and talk about the uh, creating the book?
1: Well, I picked up the, the, the anthology from Prime. They were the publisher of Volume 1 and Volume 2. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, it was a project that Jeff Vandermeer brought, um, which I'm very thankful for because I... I'm very personally and creatively interested in the development of american fantasy
2: mm-hmm.
1: um as as its own yeah as its own field. I know that might sound strange, but um it there's so much happening in fantasy right now that i'm that I'm really excited by um so that I'm really happy to have the anthology at Underland to give me an opportunity to know more of the authors, the authors that are up and coming, and just to read more too um so yeah and i, I about that. Oh, and the um, it's one of the only it's one of the only anthology series to have a guest editor position. So we have we had Kevin Brockmeier um, mm-hmm. for this. Uh, sorry, my <laughs> Kevin Brockmeier for this volume. Mm-hmm. We're having uh, Minister Faust for the next one, and Juno Diaz for the um, the one following
0: that. Boy, that's a nice uh, that's a nice lineup.
1: Yeah, and Catherine Valente as well um, after after Juno Diaz. So uh, I'm I mean that's that's an incredible lineup. It is.
0: It's interesting. You, you it sounds like I mean that's like uh what 4 or 5 years into the future. So you've got big plans then, I take it.
1: I do. I <laughs> plan on being around for a while. <laughs> that's,
0: that's great. Now, you're per- currently producing um trade paperbacks. Do you, do you think you'll be doing mass market paperbacks? Mm.
1: Nope. Um I think that I think that the thing to do is to specialize and keep doing what I am what I'm good at. I think mm-hmm. that there's companies that have much more experience with mass markets than I do and um, can do it a lot better. So I would rather sub-license those rights to somebody who could do a great job than me doing a mediocre job.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Now, uh, talk about your what you have already in the hopper. Do you have anything definite in the hopper that you can talk about?
1: Yes. We have Martin Miller's uh, follow-up to Lonely Werewolf Girl. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called uh, The Curse of the Wolf Girl.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: actually without a the, Curse of the Wolf Girl and uh, I'm really excited by it it's a YA crossover um, so it's adult fantasy but it's just on the edge of YA it's a uh, the main character is this ferocious werewolf who um, is also a morose, lot of, lot of them addicted, fashion oh, she's not fashion obsessed um, yeah, it, it's an incredible urban fantasy with werewolves I think it's great, so that's coming up in August um, and I'm just so thrilled to be able to publish Martin Miller's um, Follow-up to
0: the Lonely Werewolf Girl. Um, it, that seems like a, 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 a hitting a, a huge market. If it has, you know, or if you can tap into the, uh, the the Twilight audience, that that seems to be an audience with an endless thirst, at least for Twilight books. Do you think they're going to have a thirst for Martin Miller?
1: Well, they have. Mm-hmm. Um, they they had a thirst for his for his first novel, The um, Lonely Werewolf Girl. Um, not not his first novel. He's mm-hmm. written many more novels. But um yeah, I mean I hope so. I, I'm taking a bet on it.
0: Now, uh the, right now you've kind of seem to operate in a very uh grey area. Um it's kind of fantasy, kind of horror, uh maybe a touch of sci fi, a little bit of the surreal. Do you think you'll be heading into any other genres or for example, do you think see yourself uh doing something that would be could be considered straightforward mystery and i realize saying that i realize that Brian Evanson's book comes pretty close mhm
1: yeah there i guess there are no there's no out and out surreal um phantoms or ghouls or anything like that in last days yeah although it's very.
0: <laughs> it's a little bit severe for for the uh for for the for the uh say the raymond chandler set or the yeah. lee child set do you do you see yourself going in that kind of direction or do you perhaps a a more science fiction direction are are there any other titles out there that you can talk about
1: um i would love to i would love to um go in the mystery direction um i'd love to go into science fiction i um i i know what i'm looking for in a a novel and um i as long as it's in the genres um i would love to, to to consider it i it's the quality of the prose and um, the control of the story is really what I'm looking for. So, if that's a mystery, yes, yes. Gosh, I love it. Um, science fiction, straight science fiction, more like sci-fi fantasy. Um, absolutely. I just, if it's interesting to me and if I believe in it, then I'm, I'm just gonna, you know, hold it close to my heart and then let it free
0: into the world. Now, uh, talk about. Uh you know you're a small publisher, so you have uh, limited, uh, I'm presuming, marketing funds. How do you compete with somebody like Penguin and, and those people in terms of getting your book out there and getting word about your books out there?
1: That's a good question. I'm still trying to figure out how to answer that. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I don't actually know if I if I do compete with Penguin mm-hmm. um, or even with Poor. I think that existing in the same category as them um, is sort of an implied competition. But mm-hmm. uh, I what what I think is happening or what I think has happened is that, um, the genre community or the genre readers, the hardcore readers, Mm -hmm. um, the community is really, really strong and everyone talks to each other and recommends books. And, um, so I think, you know, reaching the, the core is, is really important. And actually I think that's probably easier to do as an indie because, um, you know, I have a face and, um, I go to conventions and, um, you know, I give my email out freely and, um, it's easy to talk to me. I, at least I hope it's easy to talk to me. Um, whereas I think that with a conglomerate or with a big publishing house, it's less easy to see the human behind it. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I don't know. I so yeah, I don't know about about marketing and competition with the bigger houses. I just I think I'm just trying to really really focus on doing what I do really well, and that includes the marketing, not just the editorial. Mm-hmm. So um, what I can do is I can use the existing networks to get the word out. Um, I do. I believe very strongly in um, online advertising because that click-through um, is demonstrable and immediate. Um, and I myself, my, you know, my buying habits have totally gone up online, so I'm assuming that I'm part of a larger trend. So uh, yeah, I, I, uh, I do what I can.
0: That's interesting. So, so y- you you actually believe that like a- that online advertising does you some good? It doesn't just like, uh, especially for books. I find tend to find advertising for books something of a, a turnoff. In really? General, yeah. Why? I don't just because it seems uh, well, when I like go to sci and they'll have some kind of weird, uh, flash advertisement for for a book and it's it just. You know, for me, books are about reading, not about like a movie about the book um,
1: that's, that's a weird one. I know I know what, you, I know what you're
0: saying, yeah and, and so when I see something that like tries to make a book uh, it, something it's not, it makes me think well, it's probably not a very good book.
1: Right. Well, actually, you saying that I, uh, has made me think that I should probably, in those advertisements offer the free PDF sample of the book, actually in those ads. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't like the slash ads. I think, I, I, you know, I think they're sort of tacky. But uh, I do have, you know, the PDFs are available online for mm-hmm. people to read samples of the books. Um, and I think that that's an incredibly effective
0: that, that, education tool. Yeah, so, and that's actually demonstrably, you're, are you selling books online directly to, to readers? Yes. And, yes, and yes,
1: yes, yes, yes. And <laughs> you, if you buy them from Underland, um, you are supporting Underland. Mm -hmm. Probably about three times as much as buying it from
0: the bookstore. Right, right. Well, but on the other hand, uh, selling through in the bookstores uh, has some kind of, uh, I guess, nebulous benefit in putting your brand out there as an equal among, you know, the the Random House and everybody else. I mean, Finch's is a better product than anything Random House has come out with recently, for example. Oh, well, thank
1: you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> or, I mean, you know, in in that genre at least. It, so, um, te-
1: no, I know, I know what you're saying. the mm-hmm. The bookstore sales make the more the higher the bookstore sales, the more the buyers at the bookstores will recognize Underland titles, Underland authors. Um, the better it is, probably in general, because the industry is not based from the Underland.com, um, Underlandpress.com uh, website. The industry is based on book sales by
0: bookstores. Uh, Let's talk a little bit about uh, electronic editions. And with the iPad coming out, it, it seems to me uh, something that, that's a trick piece of kit that, that interests me. And I know, you know, I've actually uh, tried to and successfully read uh, bits of stories on my iPhone. Do you see, do you see uh, electronic uh, sales as a threat to regular sales? Or do you say, oh, boy, my per- cost of production just dropped to, like, zero?
1: Yeah, you know what? I see the entire project as one project. Mm-hmm. I, I was just having this conversation with an agent um, over electronic rights. Um, and it's an interesting conversation to have because, from my perspective, I'm spending a certain amount of money, let's just say, on um, – Let's say on, you know, we're going to call it Book A. So I'm spending spending a certain amount of money on Book A. Mm -hmm. The revenue that's coming back from Book A is coming, you know, let's say 80% from print, um, 5% from direct sales, and what's left, 25%, 15% from from e-book sales. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the entire project still costs the same amount. So even though my e-book sales, my overhead is less for those specific e-book editions, it doesn't really matter to me because, as a project, I'm still risking the same amount.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and agents, agents don't really like to look at it that way because when they're negotiating the ebook rights, they say, "Well, your print costs—they're they're non-existent, so therefore your your uh, production costs aren't existent," and, I, and that's just simply not true. There's mm-hmm. a lot of development costs that go into the to designing the book um, and to doing the editorial work on the book and the overhead of the company and et cetera, et cetera. So I, I just. I don't divide them in my head. I don't divide them in my accounting, um, and I don't really see anybody why anybody would do that except the agents.
0: Could you talk about where you see, um, you know, the kind of books that you're signed? I think they have become a lot more mainstream in in recent years. Are, are it, not the books themselves, but they've. That the content has remained the same, but mainstream readers are a lot more willing to to embrace those kind of books. Um, could you talk about where you'll be going? Do you think you'll be continue to push barriers out to the edge and and go for stuff that's continues to be really edgy as the center moves, you know, further, you know, away from the ed, from the edge? I guess. Mm,
1: yeah. Um, I <laughs> I can say this pretty safely because I'm pretty sure that my my aunt is not going to be listening to this. Um, So my aunt is sort of a a genre hater. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I've had to be pretty articulate um, with her about my interest in genre. Mm -hmm. Um, And not not by way of being, or defending myself, but actually articulating it. Um, And I think it really clearly for me comes down to uh, an interest in... Storytelling and in metaphor and looking at the world slantwise and finding a way to make the world strange so that you can actually talk about um, what it's like to be human and the human experience uh, in maybe a different way. And I think that using those metaphors that are used in science fiction and fantasy um, and and in horror and dark fantasy, I I think that's just an incredibly compelling tool and a compelling way to to tell a story. So. That's my central interest. It's not necessarily being edgy, um, but I don't, I don't really care how edgy it is or how gruesome it is, as long as it's doing its job as a, as a work of fiction for me. So, that that being my central interest, I will continue to look for for books that do that. If it involves more blood, um, and the blood's justified, that's okay with me.
0: I, I also wanted to to finish up and talk to you about, you know, being kind of a a, a one man band. Uh, editor publisher um you know work with the authors work with the you know production designer do you do the book design yourself
1: no 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 (laughs) no. um i know what i'm good at and i'm not good at uh in design (laughs) um i have a at this point i have uh i'm working with three or four designers and about three proofreaders and um Marketing people and a couple interns. Mm-hmm. So I think last time you and I talked, I was at one designer, one marketer, and one proofreader. So I definitely have um, the workload has increased substantially, and in the last year, and I have used more freelancers to go
0: that. Sounds like that's an indication of burgeoning a success.
1: That's what I. That's that's what <laughs> that's what it feels like. Mm-hmm. Um, I there's you know the book business is totally idiosyncratic and. Um, I'm learning its ins and outs, and they're not always logical. So I you know, I have a steep learning curve, I think. Um, probably everybody does that starts their own business, and that remains incredibly exciting and interesting to me.
0: I've been speaking with Victoria Blake. She's the publisher of Underland Books. Thank you for speaking with me, Victoria.
1: You're welcome. Can I say one more thing before we get off? Sure. Okay. <laughs> this has to do with the iPad and with um, with the developing technology. I just want to put the word out there that I am interested in looking at cool projects to do with Underland prose and maybe some sort of images on the iPad. I have no idea what that is. I've been talking to people and trying to sort of brainstorm creatively about, you know, potentials for that. But if, you know, you or any of your listeners have these brilliant ideas, um, please pitch me.
0: that's Victoria Blake. She's the editor and publisher of Underland Books. Thank you again, Victoria.